0: Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. You take your scriptures please and turn with me as you look to the word of the Lord to a familiar passage in the Old Testament which would be that of 1 Samuel chapter 17. It is the account of David and Goliath The account of the Philistines against the Israelites. Many of you are very much familiar with this story in the Bible. But every time I come to it, perhaps as you, I discover something that I may have missed the last time. Or it comes to me in a different way that blesses me again. And this morning in the series of messages that I've been speaking on regarding our emotions and healing of our damaged emotions, victory over emotions, I spoke to you about victory over fear, pardon me, over worry, victory over fear is my subject today. Last Sunday, I spoke to you about quieting the noise in your souls. And today, I want to talk about overcoming fear. And while there are other accounts in Scripture that helps us with the knowledge of overcoming fear, this is the place to which the Spirit drew me. Now, the chapter is 52 or rather 58 verses in length. So I've selected verses 45 through 47. And then I'd ask you to keep your Bibles open as we look at the Word today. Prior to reading the Scripture, let me welcome this morning Pastor J.P. Emmanuel, whom I just met moments ago, from the country of India, who is the pastor of Iraq, Pentecostal mission and charitable trust he's visiting with some of our church family and he's seated here at the front and pastor we welcome you in the name of the lord church god bless him and we bless you we have in common the father the son and the spirit it's a pleasure to have met you and we'll continue our relationship the scripture reads as follows and they will have it on the screen for your Following also, but I always like for you to bring your Bibles. First Samuel seventeen forty five. Then David said to the Philistine, "You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day." The Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. This day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all of the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. Oh, come on, help us, Jesus. For the battle is whose? One more time. The battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. I don't know who or what your Goliath is, but I'm submitting that it could be fear Of all kinds Oh, I don't know what your Goliath is But I'm submitting that Everybody's got one or two But I'm also submitting That the battle is not yours Oh hallelujah Stretch your hands in my direction Ask the Holy Spirit would you To help me Because without his help I can't help you And he is the one who will use me to be a blessing, but he gets the glory. Pray for me now, would you? Father, as I receive the prayers of the saints, I offer prayer over them. And I thank you, God for the anointed songs and the worship and the choir and the praise team and the instruments and those who play them. And I thank you for the ministries of the church taking place all over the campus right now for this first service and the one that will follow. I pray, oh God, that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Say amen, church. I pray, oh God, that every distraction would be rebuked. I pray against every principality and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness that works in heavenly places and elsewhere. I pray against them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And I pray, oh God, that... Seraphims and cherubims and the angels of the Lord, the Bible says, encamp around those that fear him and love him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we say, You are good, God, and you are going to lift us up even higher in heavenly places with you in Jesus' name. Amen? amen. And amen, it is. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I just want to thank you. I know the offering's already been received, but I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. In March 11, meaning 2011, two years ago, we began a three-year financial campaign known as Rise Up and Build. It runs through March of 2014. And I'm reminded by the Lord to remind you that while we have this wonderful facilities that we intend to dedicate officially in the near future that your pledges and offerings even though we are in it please don't assume that we already got it paid for when you make a church the matter of prayer and me a matter of prayer pray that God will bless you and I together to be able to give to the building fund and that we'll be debt free in the name of the Lord. I say that to you because I want to be be transparent with you about this business of fear. I say that to you because that was one of my greatest challenges as we built every building over the past 28 years that we have served in ministry here. I've never built a building or started a ministry without which the fear factor didn't come into play. And if I had allowed those fear factors to dominate my thinking and dominate my decisions, then we wouldn't be here where we are today, having two services and going to the next level where God wants us to go. Buildings are necessary to house people who need deliverance. We don't come to worship a building, but we need them chairs are necessary amplification is necessary parking is necessary our student ministry for your young people is second to none it's necessary we built them a worship center we are renovating our previous worship center and it's turning out very well and be ready in about a month because we want to minister to your children we are ministering in the jails and the prisons while we meet here we are ministering in the recovery house in joseph's storehouse we are building churches in different parts of the world we are ministering through love in action and all those things are possible because when god says you go and i'll provide and fear says no i'll make you terrified I chose and you chose to listen to the God who is the God of faith. And I'm telling you that you can overcome fear because the power of faith in God is greater than any power of the lying devil. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. This is a fearful time in history. We are surrounded by many uncertainties that cause us loss or pain. And they can overwhelm us with worry at times. In fact, our society is very anxious. All of you, all of us, all we have to do is watch the news to see terrifying events happening in the U.S. and around the world. And it seems like the news specializes in bad news, which creates anxiety. And yet, God's people are called to live fearlessly in spite of all of this. So the question for us is, how Can we remain calm and confident in the midst of a frightened generation? And the only way to remember and overcome this time of fearfulness and anxiety and the times we go through is to remember the promises of God to strengthen us and help us and uphold us and to remember that God always keeps his word. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, a few years ago, was looking at, as every Christmas season, one of the major networks or more than one play the Christmas themes and Christmas stories for children. And one year, some years ago, I was looking at the Christmas theme of a Charlie Brown's Christmas you know Lucy Charlie Brown you acquainted with it and in that particular scene of a Charlie Brown's Christmas Charlie Brown is at Lucy's psychiatric booth and she says to Charlie Brown what can I do for you Charlie Brown and he says to her I'm depressed I know I shouldn't be but I am well said Lucy I think we need to pinpoint your fears. And if we can label them, we can know how to deal with them. Are you afraid of responsibility, Charlie Brown? If you are, you have what is called as hypengeophobia. Are you afraid of cats, Charlie Brown? If you are, you have what is called alarophobia. Are you afraid of staircases, Charlie Brown? If you are, then you have what's known as clamacophobia. I can't hardly pronounce them. I'm afraid to try, but I'm going on. Maybe you're afraid of crossing bridges. Then what you have is what's called as jephorophobia. Maybe you're afraid of oceans. Then what you have is philisophobia. Charlie Brown said, Lucy, maybe you have Pantophobia. Do you have pantophobia, Charlie Brown? He asked her, what is pantophobia? She said, a fear of everything. That's it. That's it, he said. That's what I have, a fear of everything. Do you know anybody like that? And is it possible you may feel like that sometimes? Stephen Furtick pastors a church in Charlotte, North Carolina, a young, energetic, vibrant pastor, The name of his church is Elevation. What a name. Taking you to the next level. And I was listening to a CD of one of his sermons sent to me by my sister about a month or so ago. And the title of his message was Fear's Greatest Hits. Meaning, if you think of certain musicians or groups or bands who've played music or wrote music over the years... On occasions, they will do a CD back in the days when I grew up. They would make a record. I may know what a record is or an album. Yeah, some of you still know, okay? And they would make it in the name of the band, So and So's Greatest Hits. And they would choose a selection. It's some of what, like uh, the couple uh, who wrote so many gospel songs. I see their face and I, I can't think of their name. They make a lot of these videos. And uh, the Gathers, the Gathers, Bill and Gloria Gaithers, some of you have seen their videos and last evening Valerie and I was looking at one of the inspirational networks and they were playing some of the old favorites, the greatest hits over the years, I'd rather have Jesus than anything, how great thou art, shall we gather at the river. Well, if fear could write an album, its greatest hits would be starting out with these words, what if what if if fear was a band and it could write songs all the songs on it would be what if I lose my job what if my children get hurt what if I lose my mind what if my marriage breaks up what if they foreclose on my house What if I get up in the morning and I find that I have cancer in my body? Anybody hearing me? Have you ever heard the devil play that song in your head? I'm here to tell you, my brothers, that that's the way he operates. But God tells us in his word that we have the power to overcome all the power of the enemy, even the power of fear. Put your hands together and praise the Lord. Now, if you're one of those that take notes, write this down and remember it. Fear is when we give more weight to the what ifs than the word of God. You didn't hear me. I walk in fear and you walk in fear at at different times in our lives because we all live in a world that causes fear but if we dwell there then we have to examine our thinking which is what i said to you last week and say to ourselves am i giving more credit to the what ifs that might never happen than i am to the word of god which is alive and powerful and never changing write this down fear is misplaced faith oh I feel a whoop glory coming on ah my 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 fear is misplaced faith oh help us Jesus it's when your focus gets off the word of God and the promises of God misplaced focus says I need the banker, but I need God more. I need the lawyer, but I need God more. I need the surgeon and I need the pastor I need my mama and I need my daddy and I need my best friend and I don't know where they are but I need God more and my focus will not be on my flesh or my acquaintances though I need them but my focus is in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, the blood of Jesus Christ that covers me and the angels of God that surrounds me. I will fix My focus not on fear, but on the power of faith in the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap in this house. So let me look at this very familiar story of David and Goliath. And since you're acquainted with it, I will not belabor you with a lot of details. Except if your Bibles are still open and I hope they are. Chapter 17. The Bible tells us that the Philistines in verse 1 gathered their armies together for battle, meaning against the Israelites. In verse 2 of chapter 17, Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together in a place called the Valley of Elah. Verse 3, the Philistines, the Bible says, stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. Verse 4 says, and I'm just setting the scenario, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistine. His name was Goliath. Goliath from Gath, and it describes this man, Goliath, whose height was six cubits and a span. In our measurements, that would be that he was over nine feet tall. It says he had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat of mail was 5,000 shekels of bronze. That would be 125 pounds. Just the armor he was wearing. It goes on to say he had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a a shield bearer went before him. He's nine feet tall. He's got 125 uh, pounds right of armor On his front, his arms and his back, on his legs, he's got armor at 15 pounds in weight. So we got 140 pounds and he's got a separate shield that another man's carrying for him that you know has got to be heavy. So if you add about 20 pounds to that, you got about 160 pounds of just armor alone. I would submit that what the Bible tells us about the age of David at the time he faced Goliath, David probably didn't weigh but 130 pounds or less. Now I'm telling you, <laughs> you don't have to look long at a man like that and his size and just see his armor for fear to make your knees beat together like drums. But, but the word of God out of this story tells us that in our lives we may not face physical giants, but they're giants of different kinds that comes to haunt us and accuse us and make us feel miserable. Can I get an amen? And there are certain things that happens to us when we live in a state of fear. I'm going to give you a few manifestations of fear, though there are many. They're going to help me with the slides. And and if you're taking notes, these are some of the manifestations. This is what happens to you and I when we live in a state of fear. And I'm going to be transparent with you because I believe more preachers ought to be more transparent with their congregations and tell them, just like you, I have experienced fear and panic and anxiety. And just like you, I have been touched by God time and time again you're not looking at a preacher this morning who is back where he was in february you're looking at a preacher on a journey that is taking me higher and deeper in the lord in spite of what has happened to me you're looking at a preacher since february who have learned from the word of god from my counselor from my from my advisors from you who pray for me from my reading in the Bible and from practicing what I preach and I'm not going back where I was but I am moving up higher in the Lord and though I may have days that may not be great I have more days that are greater and I'm climbing up higher because the power of God who is in me is greater than the power of the demons that is in the world give the Lord a hand clap I'm holding up this key. And there's only one other man in this church unless I told you what this key means. And that other man would be this man right here on the front row who serves the recovery house and serves me and helps me. And, and, and I want to tell you, Pete Chimento, one day moved to the Lord, handed me this key. And he said, Pastor, by the way, Pete is his name. Did, you know, thought I forgot it. The Lord told me he's got three outside circles and an inner circle to remind you that he gave you the keys to the kingdom. By the way, he gave you the keys. To, oh, he gave you the keys to the kingdom too. And he said, these three outside circles represents the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost got you surrounded. <laughs> Woo! I, did anybody else feel the spirit of encouragement here? I'm surrounded, and then I got the key to unlock, not the. I got the key even to go in the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from me. I got the keys to open healing and prosperity and joy and peace and blessings on my family i wish somebody would praise god because you don't have to have a physical key you got the key right here the key is the word of god and it's up to you to use the key If you just keep the key in your pocket and say, I have a key, it's doing you no good. But if you'll take it out and open it up and get it in your head and get it in your heart, you'll drive the devil back into hell and angels will surround you. Come on and praise the Lord. My, I'm liking this so much, I think I'm going to buy this CD. By the way, we got DVD now, DVDs we're producing. I'm not trying to promote me, I'm trying to promote healing for you, the Word of God. See if this is not the description, some of the manifestations. Oh Lord, I get it lost in my introduction. Fear can produce fright. The Bible says in Psalm 55 and 5, if you have it on the screen. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me and horror has overwhelmed me. That's what fear does. It produces fright. You ever been so afraid you couldn't even move? I remember when I first started flying, and we've got airline pilots here, and we've got people in our church who are uh, leaders and, and executives in airline, in the airline industry. But the first time I ever flew was from Trinidad in 1968 to New York City, where our family of six moved to America. Never flew, and everything took off real nice. It was November. November in Trinidad is 80 degree weather, maybe 82, maybe 85. As we approach JFK, maybe a hundred miles or so out, or however. November in New York. That November, 1968, November 12. The day before had been a blizzard. They had several maybe as much as twelve to fifteen inches of snow and when the when the plows went over the road, it stacked up in feet of snow. i'd never seen snow in my life. Oh yeah, and truth to that, we put frost on our Christmas trees and we put you know we do all that but Turbulence. We came into turbulence as an aftermath of the blizzard the day before. And the airplane began to be very bouncy. And we buckled up. And it would fly and drop all of a sudden like an air pocket. And I'm 11 years old. And there's these bags they have in the seat in front of you. That wasn't your pre-prepared food. <laughs> it's just in case of turbulence. <laughs> That went on for about 15 minutes until we landed. And I was so afraid. Then I get out of the plane. We don't own a sweater. We don't own a coat. We don't even have a glove to wear for. And I get out of the plane. They want one of those, it's 1968. They didn't pull you up to the concourse and you walk through an air conditioner or heated path. I mean, they pull you on the ground and they rolled up the stairs to you. And there you are, you walk about 14 miles, well, I'm just kidding, you walk, you walk to the entrance, got out on the steps and we're breathing as normally and here come, I see something thing coming out of my mouth and it's the vapor of the coldness. And man, well, well, the story goes on. The long and short of it, after my first flight experience, I never wanted to fly again. And I'm telling you, when I, and I've kind of gotten, well, I've gotten used to it now and, and I'm glad to do it because in 2011, I flew with my, general, my bishop to Africa to five different countries on 17 different flights and on all kinds of airplanes, large, small, mumbo jumbo, teeny tiny. I, I sat so close to the pilot on one of those small planes that couldn't, that could, just taking us to the interior of Africa that I could reach over here and just touch the pilot. I didn't like that very much. Because there were two seats and he was the only one flying that, and we were going to land on, on what wasn't seemed to be—it was more like a uh, a dirt landing strip. And I'm thinking, God, what am I doing here in Africa on this uh, double-engine whatever propeller, you know? But but there there were times I'm saying to you that uh, I mean, you just freeze. Okay, I told my story. I feel better now. Uh, what fear produces torment. Look at what 1st John 4.12 says, there is no fear in love. Oh, hallelujah. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And you can ask Pete, the people he counsels, and you can ask other counselors that when they describe what's going on in them because of fear, Sometimes they use the word torment, feeling like they're in such a deep hole they can never come out. Here's another manifestation of fear. Fear produces trembling. Job, uh, we know the story of Job. We also know that he came out better than he went in. But while he was in there, he said in Job 4 and 14, these words, fear came upon me and trembling, which made my bones to shake. Fear not only produces fright and torment and trembling, but number four, fear produces dread. Exodus 15 and 16, fear and dread will fall upon them. Let me tell you this. If God's fighting for you, Fear and dread will fall upon your enemies like it did when David defeated Goliath. In case I don't get to the end of the story. And fear and dread fell upon the Philistines when they saw their nine foot giant killed by a teenage boy. So I'm telling you, that's what the devil would like to reverse and cause fear and dread to fall on you. Fear. what, What is another manifestation of fear? It's the fear of death. Psalm 55 and 4, the word of God said at this time in David's experience, my heart is severely pained within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Does the devil ever make you feel like you're going to die? That this is going to kill you? Fear produces faithlessness. Jesus said to his disciples on one occasion, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and seas, and there was a great calm. And he asked them, why are you so fearful? Obviously, they were fearful because they were in a storm. But they had forgotten this was the same Jesus that brought them out of other stuff at other times. And he said, why are you so fearful? I'm hurrying now. Fear can produce heart attacks. It's the same Jesus who said, in the days we're living in America in the news... In Luke's gospel, chapter 21, verse 26, Jesus said in the last days, men's heart shall fail them from fear that the expectation of those things that are coming upon the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. I'm telling you, it can produce heart attacks and it has. The, the, The fear, another manifestation of fear is the fear of man and the fear of public opinions. Proverbs 29, put it on the screen, please. And verse 25, the Bible says, The fear of man brings a sneer. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be what? Shall. Whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe when you're up 3.30 in the morning and you got to face somebody the next day and it's not going to be pleasant and you may lose your job or you may lose some money just lay on your bed and trust in the Lord with all thine heart Proverbs says and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path give him a hand clap somebody Oh, my, my, help me, Jesus. I get... So, so. how do we face these giants? What do we do to overcome all these... And I can go on with manifestations after manifestations because there are so many. I mean, I may not have touched yours, but, but there, there are many more manifestations of which I won't take the time to elaborate on because fear causes... You to have sickness in your body? Can I get an amen? Huh? It affects your nerves. It, it fear gives you a divided mind. Can I get another amen? So you can't decide. Uh, you know, you toss between two things. Uh, do I listen to God or do I listen to this other? Can I get Can it? Amen. Fear affects your relationships because you don't you you, you don't want to be around people or you or you you don't want to uh, mingle because you you're so afraid. The devil is a liar and a robber, and there's a way to overcome it. And the Word of God says, number one, if we're going to overcome fear, is to face it and admit it. And it seemed like a oxymoron, Uh, it seems like opposites. Pastor, what'd you have for breakfast? That you come in here and tell me to face my fear when it's the very thing that I'm trying to run from and I'm learning about fright or flight, fight or flight. And the Lord's word through the story of David and Goliath tells us that we need to face our fears. Now, nobody else in the camp of the Israelites would face Goliath. Matter of fact, if you back up one slide, let me just make you aware of this. You already know it. God is not the author of fear. Settle that right now. Everybody say after me, God is not the author of fear. Okay, so you understand that it's from the enemy. And if God is not the author of fear and God is who he is, he, he is the author of our deliverance. Nobody else was willing to face Goliath from the camp of Israel every day for 40 days on the side of the mountain let's pretend this is the side of the mountain the Philistines were and a huge army and there was a valley between it and on this side the valley is the valley of Elah and on this side are the Israelites and their Saul. Saul is their king their leader Saul. Forty days, twice a day, the morning and the evening, nine feet tall Goliath in his armor would bellow his voice and it would thunder through the valley. And it would go into the ears of Saul and his men who have their armor on. And twice a day he would say something like this, why should all of us fight? Why should all the men on this side and that side, why should so many lives be lost to determine who will win this battle? You choose a man, Goliath would say, and let him come and fight me. And if he is victorious over me and kills me, all of the Philistines will become your servants. But if I am victorious over your man, then... You will submit to us and become our slaves and servants. And for 40 days that went on. And the Bible says, in verse 11, chapter 17, when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. The New Living Translation said they were terrified, deeply shaken. But here comes a uh, freckle-faced teenage shepherd boy. Oh, help me, Lord Jesus. Write this down. An important thing for you to remember when facing your fear is that you are not alone. I wish somebody would say amen. You are not alone. And do not be afraid to get help. Can I get an amen? Amen. Do not be afraid to go to a counselor. Do not be afraid to go to a pastor. Do not be afraid to go to an intercessor and prayer warrior. Somebody say amen. Amen. You don't have to suffer alone. But if you think you're alone, you're wrong. Because if your body is a temple of God, then you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, God the Word, the blood of Jesus, and you are not alone. Give the Lord a hand clap. So David goes in and he asks about what's going on. And no sooner he he brings supplies from his father's house to meet his brothers, because he has three brothers serving in Saul's army. His father is concerned. Jesse's concerned about the other brothers of David. So he he gives to David some uh, produce and some meat and some cheese and other things and say, take it to your brothers and the captain of of their particular platoon and, and find out what's going on. And so David comes into camp. No sooner than he gets into camp, he hears Goliath giving this threat. And the first thing David says is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? And David says, as we read the text to Saul, look verse 32. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. He's ready to face the fear of the Israel and Israelites. Look look at the last part of verse 40. Everybody still with me? Say amen. The story goes on in facing his fear the Bible says the last part of verse 40 and he drew near to the Philistine. Look at verse 48. As he got close to the Philistine, it says that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the, Israel, to, to meet the Philistines and especially to meet Goliath. And I'm saying to you that through the power of God, you need to say to God, this is bigger than me. You need to say to God, but it ain't bigger than you. (laughs) You need to say to God, I refuse to live another day like this. When when you told me to put on the whole armor of God. So I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation. And I'm going to put gird my myself with my loins with the girdle of truth. And I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And I'm going to put on the shield of faith. And I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation. And my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I'm going to take the sword, which is the word of God. And I'm going to arm myself and face my fears. Brian, just a little tad more, brother. Come on, somebody praise the Lord. Number two, how do you overcome? You recall how God has helped you in the past. Anybody have been blessed by God in your life in the past at all? Raise up both your hands and shout, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Remember not to forget. Wow. would that, Did that make sense? David shows up to King Saul and says, I'll be your man. And King Saul in verse 33 says this, and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight him for you are a youth and he's a man of war from his youth. And then Saul says, look, man, you're just a a little boy on an errand. A little guy and he's a giant and he's been a soldier ever since his youth. You can't do it. But then David says, Oh, but you you weren't with me when God helped me to face some other things. And, And verse 34 and following, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, oh, you got to remember, you got to remember. Verse 37, you ought to write down underline. David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Oh, somebody say, praise the Lord. After Saul heard that, he says, I ain't got anybody else in my army with that kind of credential, killing lions and bears barehanded. You must have the power of God. Go ahead. Somebody praise the Lord. And and I'm just trying to help you here just a moment. It's the same God who brought you through surgery. Where the doctor said, you have a 50-50 chance, you may not come through. Or your mother, your daddy, or your son or daughter. Can I get an amen? It's the same God where your relative was life-flighted from an accident. And they said, they will never be the same. they will be a vegetable. And now God has healed their body. It's the same God that melted the tumor that was cancerous. And I'm telling you, it's the same God who gave you the last job you needed. It's the same God who brought your children out of bad company and maybe drugs and alcohol. And if you'll remember what God has done, he can do it again and again and again and again. Give the Lord a hand clap. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. So when the devil told me, you can't pay for this building, you can't be able to, you're gonna have to sell it to Walmart. <laughs> I wasn't building no building for Walmart, thank you. I've already paid for them. You see how many times my wife go to Walmart, I got a little plaque in my office that says, when I die, bury me at Walmart so my wife could come see me. I do, I have a little plaque in my office. But the devil, the devil says, you, you you got it got over your head. And I've never done anything that I had to walk out in faith in without the devil saying, you go, you, you go what if, what if, what if? I'm going to be like the three Hebrew children when King Nebuchadnezzar says, if you don't bow down to my idol, I'm going to put you in the fire and burn you up. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, you know, King, we got to be careful how we answer you. But we just want to let you know that we are not going to bow down to, to your idol because, (laughs) because we serve a God who is able to deliver us, but if he does not, but if he does not, we are still not going to give in to your fears and to your idolatry they threw those boys in the fire and the bible said the king looked in the fire and there was a fourth man in the fire it was like unto the son of god and when they took him out of the fire not their hair was singed they did not smell like smoke they were delivered because god who did it for them will do it for you he will be with you in your fire praise him somebody You know, I, I I got to I'm remembering words in my head right now. My wife says, You gotta take it easy, Alan. She said, Take it easy in the first service. So you'll be all right in the second. I'm a Pentecostal preacher. Listen, I, I listen to Charles Stanley and I get blessed by I listen to David Jeremiah. Those guys, they don't even sweat. I got, I got this. And, you know, I'm, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, why can't I just be dignified, man? Little Lord Funkley boy. But I, I'm not telling you something. I guess I'm all wild and crazy because I've been in the fire. I've been in the flood. I've been in the sleepless nights. I've been when my mom died of a heart attack at age 63. Pardon me. It, it, yeah, it was age 63. Unexpectedly. And lost her. I've I, 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 I been. I, I'm 56 years. I've been through some places. I said, through it. I said, through it. <laughs> this too shall come to pass. The one that the Bible said. And it came to pass. Let me give you two other thoughts real quick. Realize you can't fight the world's way. You can't fight your fears the world's way. When Saul told David to go fight Goliath, Saul gave David his armor to wear. Saul, the Bible says, was one of the tallest men in Israel. So while he may not be nine feet tall, he had to be pushing maybe six, four, six, eight His armor was large and so David Saul figured if you got to go fight that man with a hundred and twenty-five pounds or more of armor and all you got is a shepherd's clothes and a staff in your hand we got to help you out put the armor on and the helmet covered his nose so he can't even see put the armor on and everything and and he's clunkety clunkety the sword And he says, King, I can't use these. I haven't tested them. I'm not a man of war. I sure enough don't get beat once the giant finds me somewhere in this armor. I'm just going to go with what I've gone with before. Well, what did you go with before? The text said he stopped by a little brook gathered up five smooth stones, had his slingshot, and walked on up facing his fears, not fighting like the world, because if you fight like the world, your fears, you can get addicted to drugs or alcohol, or get involved in pornography, or get involved in kind of lifestyles of sin to try to drown your fear, can I, can I get an Amen. If you fight like the world, you end up in court and it'll cost you, and not going to court has its place and time, but it may cost you more than it's worth. Can I get an amen? If you fight like the world, then you find you build more fear and more resentment and broken relationship. And and he headed up to the, to the Philistine giant and he says, you come Goliath to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you. In the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. For the battle is not mine's. The battle is the Lord's. Come on, put your hands together and praise him. David, and I'm hurrying. Oh, oh, I know, I know. David gets close enough. Galea starts running and says, boy, you're mocking me, boy. You think I am some kind of dead dog? Goliath says to David, I'll feed your flesh to the birds. And Goliath is coming and David is coming this way. And the closer David gets, he puts that stone in that sling and he goes around and around and he lets it go at the right time, the Holy Spirit says, "Let's it go. And that stone sinks in the forehead of Goliath and he falls flat on his back. David comes up to him, he don't have a sword, but he takes out the sword. I mean, the very thing that the devil or somebody else is using against you will be used against them. Somebody help me here. He took Goliath's sword and cut off his head and when the Philistines saw it, they started running for their life. When the Israelites saw it, they started running after the Philistines because I want to tell you that you don't have to fight like the world if you'll use the Word of God every time God will bring His power. Stand up, everybody. Stand up, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise his name. My, my, my. I got more, but I got to stop somewhere. Oh, blessed Jesus. The last thing I want to tell you, put it on the screen. Then you got to say today is 7-14-2013. You got to take this scripture and you got to date it. But, but Better than that, do I have... Isaiah chapter 41 on the slides. Put it on the screen if I do, please. I had so many other scriptures. But you need to go to 41 and 10 sometime today and write today's date beside it and say, this is the day I'm taking this word for my weapon. Everybody on the count of three, read it out loud. One, two, three, out loud. Fear not for I am with you. Louder. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Yea, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Come on up, prayer team. Oh, hallelujah. Bow your heads, bow your heads, bow your heads. Now, I need to tell you, have your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're not saved, this is not going to work for you because you haven't given your heart to Jesus and His Word is not going to work in you to deliver you from fear. His Word will work in you first to deliver you from sin and then it will work in you for every other deliverance you need. But if you're living in sin or backslidden away from God and you're into some stuff that's causing fear and trembling and fright and torment Sin does that, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And the first thing you got to do is say, God, I exchange, and give, I exchange my sin, and give it back to the devil. And I receive your saving faith. I need to be born again. God, I, I need the mess of my life and the fright of my life and the things in my life that I've done and said and behaved. That now I know why I'm afraid sometimes or worried or troubled is because I haven't turned my life over to you. I've counted on my mama to pray for me and my daddy. Or I need to pray for myself in faith. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, do I have anybody here? This morning who would raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I just want to come back to the Lord. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand while you're right, right there. I see it. Anybody else? I see it. Just me and you. But God sees it. Thank you. Thank you. You may put them down. And now, everyone, look this way. I'm going to challenge you by faith. In the name of Jesus, they'll start singing in a moment. Whatever fear you got, I want you to bring it down to this altar before you leave. And I want you to come and stand in the presence of God with your key and say, God, I'm leaving it here. I'm talking to Christians. God, I'm leaving the sleeplessness, the worry, the fret, the torment, the anxiety, the divided mind. God, uh, I'm leaving it here. I'm telling you, come, start coming right now. I'm all over the church. And when you come, lift up your hands and begin to praise God. Don't wait for somebody to come to you. Come on. Oh, I only got two persons that I preached to this morning. You're going to let fear keep you in that chair? Come on up here. Church, give the Lord, give them some encouragement. Give them some encouragement. Come on. You're not a sinner. You're not a sinner come on keep coming sing my brother sing keep coming come on come on come on come on hurry hurry when you get here raise up your hands if, if, if there's not a counselor to pray for you you just pray yourself hurry come on bring your son's need your daughter's need your, your family come on come on come on. bring it bring it bring it bring it i want the altar workers the elders to come and pray with you the ministry leaders but if nobody comes you just raise your hands and begin Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.